It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Melis. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast here for you on a daily basis, Monday through Friday. This is the Thursday show recorded on a Wednesday night after the Celtics. Amazing, absolutely amazing 103-99 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just a flat out, beyond being a Celtics fan, beyond doing a show for you Celtics fans, this was as good a regular season game that you're going to see in the NBA. That there, This was just 48 minutes of two really good teams going at each other. So we are the Rain and Jays. John Corral is joined by Sam Jam Packard. Let's just kind of get the wow out of our system. I mean, that, let's just kind of – the finish was amazing. Both teams were amazing. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, his scoring, his passing, Crowder hitting a shot, Bradley hitting a shot, Kyrie hitting ridiculous things. Just wow. Yeah, it's like, it's like I guess when maybe this is just something I do, but when like a basketball game gets exciting, like my body just can't stop moving. And for the entire second half, I feel like I had like the jitters of like going through withdrawal. I don't know what was going on there. It was just downright excitement for. The entire second half, the entire game, really, just talk about the lead changes and just like the great basketball played by both teams, really. Um, it's great that the the Celtics were able to pull that out, but they, the some of the things the Cavs were doing, the that that ATO with a uh, Kyle Korver hit the the go ahead three was a great play by Tyron Lue. Kyrie Irving was doing some amazing things, and LeBron is the best basketball player I've ever seen. I'm going to say that right now. He's yeah. he, he does some. Amazing things out there. So for all of that to happen and the Celtics to pull out the win, uh, just a great night. Great night of basketball. Yeah, I'll tell you, when when the game's going like that, I need an entire room by myself to watch. So like, don't get in my way. I'm standing in front of the TV. I'm sitting down. I'm back and standing. When Isaiah finds Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley, I'm, I'm giving the Ric Flair and running up and down the, the hall and doing all of that stuff. So that that's all happening 
when a game of this magnitude is is unfolding. So uh, I got to say that just first and foremost, after the three games that we saw out of the All-Star break, and if you want to count the Bulls game beforehand, they needed something like this. They needed uh, a, a full game together playing as a unit, playing where there were 28 assists on 36 made field goals, that they were hitting shots 42% from three, 46% from the field. They were rebounding. They out-rebounded the Cavs 47-41. to They just did a little bit of everything. And you look at the individual efforts. Isaiah Thomas, not just 31 points, but five assists and a couple of huge ones. Uh, Al Horford, nine points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Did a little bit of everything. 10 rebounds from Crowder and that big three. Just a good, solid team effort where guys stepped up and did what they were supposed to do. And I think a lot of it starts with the return of Avery Bradley. And I put in our notes, man, we forgot about Avery Bradley. We so did. (laughs) We so forgot that Avery Bradley was this good. And, you know, we talked ourselves into, well, Jalen Brown is really showing out. Like he's doing a pretty good job and he did really, really well tonight. But we forget that Avery Bradley, not only can he hit shots, but his defense on Kyrie Irving, who still got loose for some amazing shots, but he earned everything he got, and he worked as hard as you possibly can to get even shots off against Avery Bradley. No, Avery Bradley was the was menacing. Just the, even the play where he ended up fouling Kyrie Irving was like pretty much picture-perfect defense until the end, just completely smothering him. Um and all this time we've been watching Marcus Smart, and he, Marcus Smart's a very good defender and intense, but he just doesn't like have bring it the on ball kind of intensity, um, just getting up basically in people's shirts, just like Avery Bradley does. And I thought it was a great uh, adjustment um, by Stevens in the kind of final possessions. Uh, you saw the second to last possession they tried to do; they did a pick and roll, and Isaiah Thomas switched on to Kyrie, and Kyrie got loose. Um, I think he ended up for a layup or something else happened. Um, maybe it was the ridiculous, absolutely absurd layup that I just am absolutely amazed by. But then the next time down the court, um, they just had IT tag Kyrie, slow him down a little bit, and then immediately got uh, Bradley back there. And that's why we saw that great defense on the final possession. So I thought that was just like a, a small thing Brad Stevens did to really just kind of make sure the Celtics got the win. And uh, the other thing, the, the huge Bradley play, was the when he knocked down that open three, just having him be the guy there to to receive that shot from Isaiah and shoot that just is should instill so much more confidence in Celtics fans. He is a very good shooter, and if you give him an open look, he's going to knock that down. Uh, you really want him and Crowder being there rather than someone like Marcus Smart or Rozier or some other kind of wing player. Uh, even Jalen Brown, who knocked down a, some threes tonight or one three tonight, you. Just having Bradley out there is just that much more competent shooter. Just makes the offense so much more deadly, uh, and it's kind of it's definitely going to help Isaiah Thomas when he gets doubled uh, moving forward. Yeah, you're talking about two forty percent three point shooters out there, and now Jay Crowder knocked down three of five, so he shot sixty percent. Avery Bradley two of five, so he shot forty percent. So now you've got two knockdown three point shooters. Now I like what Marcus Smart has slowly 
been evolving into, but that's not him. That's not him. And Jalen Brown is showing the ability to do some of that on a, a little bit more of a regular basis, but he's got a long way to go. Terry Rozier has that in him somewhere, I think, maybe down the road, but not tonight. He didn't hit anything. So those are the guys who have been out there. Now you put Avery Bradley out there, changes the entire dynamic, and that just really opens things up. So then we see Isaiah Thomas go out there, and yeah, I think a little too much individual stuff, which we can get into maybe some of the things we didn't like later, but when... It all came down to it. He read what was happening. He found open guys, and those guys knocked down huge, huge clutch shots. And if it wasn't today in 2017 in the NBA, they would have been allowed to do the Sam Cassell big balls dance (laughs) down the floor, which I so wish somebody could do, but you'd get fined for that now. So, oh well. We should start a GoFundMe for allowing Celtics players to do big, big ball. Actually, no, that's a dumb idea. They're multimillionaires. They can pay it. <laughs> oh, man. That's true. That is true. I, I, I was on board with you, but then you, you made a very good point. I made a very good point that they're millionaires. But the, I guess the one, the drawback, you're talking about Isaiah getting doubled and something they need to work on. They feels like they still haven't figured out what to do when he gets blitzed. It seems like there was a couple possessions where he did a good job kind of fighting back against the screen and kind of doing hesitation moves. Um, but there's there's not like a go-to, we're getting blitzed, this is what we're going to do, this is our reaction. And especially early on in the game, it felt like that was just a, a, something the Cavs could do and this, the Celtics were kind of stifled by that. And I'm glad to see they, I guess, figured it out a little bit towards the end of the game, but they still don't have like a great execution in terms of that. And I don't know whether it's not it's like setting the setting the screen higher so there's more room to work with when the if you swing it to the four man, but it really felt like they were never getting the ball to it was usually Al Horford setting the screen in the pick and roll, and that seems like a, a kind of mistake and definitely something they they need to work on moving forward. Yeah, I, I tweeted about it. I think if you if you're going to have Al Horford run that pick and roll, when you roll, you, you got to get the ball. That that's just at some point a player will stop rolling that hard and will not be looking for the ball. And then it becomes less of a threat. And uh, that just encourages the defense to blitz him even harder and just full commit to the double team. Now, maybe there are a couple of times where the angle wasn't great, but they have to find a way when Al Horford is setting the pick for Isaiah Thomas. That's something we saw a lot earlier in the season when he rolls you got to give it to him. He's got to be able to finish. I love the fact that they established Al Horford a little bit more, got him the ball in the high post, let him make some decisions. He's a very willing passer. We know that sometimes too willing, but when you get the ball and you can run the offense and you can make the passes. Now he's not going to get 10 assists all the time, but when you can have the ball in your hand and you feel comfortable making those passes, when it comes time to take your shot, you just have that much more confidence. You feel good about your game. You feel good about what's happening out on the floor. The shot comes a little bit more naturally, and we saw that start to happen. One thing I didn't like is when Al Horford got the ball in the post and four guys were standing around, that's not Al Horford's game. He's not going to really shoulder a guy down and and lay it in 
that he very often he's been missing those layups. He's been getting called for travels. He's been getting called for offensive fouls. That's not necessarily how he wants to play. When he gets the ball in the post and he's waiting, I feel like in his head he's screaming, trying to get a telepathic message to his teammates, somebody cut so I can pass you the ball. That's where he's at his best. And then when there's a threat and he can fake a pass or do something, take advantage of that, that's when he's going to start looking for his offense. So I'd just like to see the Celtics do that a little bit more. And and the good thing is, as soon as I tweeted that, they ran a play where Avery Bradley did do something like that, and he got an open jumper that he missed, but it was an open shot. No, I, I completely agree that kind of the stagnant Al Horford offense is not the best. I feel like they need to get him, I guess, moving before he catches the basketball or just the team moving around him because, like we said, he's a very willing passer. But – he had a great game tonight uh, before he even started scoring. He had that only two points in the first half and got that uh, at the very end of the game. But you saw him kind of get in the game, trying to assert himself on the on the glass and then making great passes. And I still think even though he had a, a great stat line tonight, it was one point shy of a triple-double, I still think the Celtics needed to make more of an effort to get him um, get him scoring and get him more involved in the offense. Because even after all the kind of – even with this great performance, he only attempted six shots tonight. So I feel like there's still more to be done on the Al Horford front. But it was good to see him just see some bad balls go through the basket and actually make make a three just for his own confidence. Yeah. Sake because yep. he was. It felt. I tweeted out earlier. He it felt like he had the yips. It felt like he was Chuck Knobloch trying to throw the ball from second base. <laughs> It really it wasn't good. So it was just nice to see him get some confidence back in his game. And I thought he played excellently um pretty much in all ends of the floor and was great on the defensive end too that's the thing i wanted to bring up is that the celtics probably played their best defense defensive game they have in the longest time i can remember holding the Cavs to under 100 points uh is not something that i would have predicted because this celtics team has uh, been porous but their it seemed like their rotations tonight were excellent they did a really great job on lebron james um even though lebron ended up with 28 points uh, he's still 10 for 21. I felt like they forced a lot of outside shots for him. Kelly Olynyk, the great man of positional defense. <laughs> he did some really good. He did a great job. Yeah, no, he he's he's very good at kind of staying in front of LeBron and not letting him get the easy dunks. Uh, and I thought the Celtics did a pretty good job the entire night. It's just their rotations were very on point. Their communication was good, and uh, especially down the stretch when it became time for just kind of the, the glory ball of uh, Kyrie Irving, I think they were well positioned to kind of uh, be, you know, right there and ma- make the stops and make the plays. So I think their defense really deserves some credit for, for stepping up tonight, especially here uh, in the second half. It's so funny that LeBron James had the following stat line, 28 points on 10 of 21 shooting. So 47 and a half percent. Three of six from three, and he's not known as a three-point shooter. He had 13 rebounds, five offensive, 10 assists, a steal, a block. And we're sitting here legitimately thinking that they did a pretty good job defending him. In the half court, they did a pretty nice job defending LeBron James. And I agree. Kelly Linick got switched onto LeBron how many times? And stood in front of him. Got there. Just... Didn't really, I'm trying to think back. I don't remember him getting really, there There were no LeBron blow-bys on 
Kelly Olynyk, which is Kelly Olynyk's never been blown by. Like, never been blown by. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. He's he's really an underrated, great job defensively by Kelly Olynyk tonight on LeBron James, and like, Kelly had maybe the most underrated night of anybody. Ten points on four or five shooting, still some classic Kelly double pumps that took him out of position, some bad fouls, a couple of bad turnovers. But in the 19 minutes that he played, he did an overall really good job, a plus five for Olenek. And there was a stretch where Olenek and Smart were playing amazingly well off of one another. And I think that's a combination that we're just going to start seeing a lot more in second units. Uh, they, they just, they just did a great job together, but Got to give Olenek his, his, his shout-out. He did a, a phenomenal job, I think, switching on to LeBron James. Uh, Jay Crowder. I, I want to make note of Jay Crowder, who has, I think, looked, since the All-Star break, healthier. That week off, I think, really, really helped him. And he's getting to the rim now instead of pulling up for mid-range jumpers. That's a that's a big difference. He, he just is just moving laterally a little bit better. So I think Jay Crowder is finally that ankle issue might finally be behind him a little bit. Yeah, you can definitely see that with his increased num- numbers at the free throw line, just drawing more fouls and being more uh, aggressive. Uh, and he was major one of the major reasons why the Celtics defense was playing so well. He did it. He's nothing was easy for LeBron when Jay Crowder was guarding him, and. If he's going to continue to shoot around the 40% mark from three-point land and continue to – he's had a, a good couple of games, especially rebounding the basketball. It feels like – and maybe this is definitely a part of his kind of renewed athleticism or feeling good, but it feels like he's turned in double-digit rebound performances a number of times over the last couple of weeks. Um, so he's he's doing pretty, pretty much everything you want. It's no wonder that he leads the team in net rating. He's kind of that the, the perfect glue guy right now. Um, and he hit that giant shot at the end of the game to kind of put the put the team ahead for the for the time being. And so he, you're right. I mean, just everyone, no one other than I would say Terry Rozier had a bad game tonight for the Celtics. Yeah, I don't even count uh, Tyler Zeller's five minutes because it felt like that was a an experiment in the first half that Brad quickly quickly learned that uh, wasn't going to work. <laughs> Uh, other things that I thought were were big and instrumental in this win, Marcus Smart posting up on Kyrie Irving was big. Drew a couple of early fouls. Just he was terrorizing for a little stretch, and and that's something that the Celtics will go to a lot more when he's got a, a smaller guard on him. And there, there's who's a stronger guard than Marcus Smart. I mean, Marcus Smart, there was a, a Tristan Thompson post-up where he couldn't get past Marcus Smart. That dude is strong. Uh, but Smart in the post against opposing guards, he was drawing double teams. Now, the, the next step for Smart is knowing what to do out of those double teams. I, I think he... He noodled he kinda his way got, out of one uh, in the in yeah. corner. That he is. got lucky a couple times. And, of course, one of the, the one thing is the double team was coming from LeBron James. But still... When when you have Marcus Smart drawing double teams, that's a that's a big deal. And him in the post, I think, was a, a major contributor to this win. Uh, what else was? Um, 
trying to go through the, the notes Celtics here. Celtics really won the rebounding battle, which is shocking for how many times Tristan yep. Thompson had um, just offensive rebounds. Uh, six offensive rebounds for Tristan Thompson, but it felt like every single one was backbreaking. So I was kind of shocked to look down and see that the the Celtics actually won the rebounding battle 47 to 41. They did a really good job of kind of gang rebounding and sending a lot of guys back, um, especially the forwards. Uh, you see Crowder had um, 10 boards. Jalen Brown had boards. Jarebko had five boards. Um, I thought they just did a, a better job of col- everything uh, collapsing the defense when uh, when the shot went up and not – even though it really felt like Tristan Thompson was uh, brutalizing us, maybe that was just kind of some PTSD of – times he's brutalized <laughs> us in the past it was definitely not as bad as it was in games past uh, how about Jalen Brown I think uh he made some certainly made some mistakes where I've never seen Brad Stevens as pissed off as he was at Jalen Brown at the end of what the first and third quarters yeah. where he just screwed up the end of the basically the Celtics had opportunities to run down the clock and take the final shot and in one he got overly aggressive and they called him for a charge. And the other one, he pulled up from three for no reason. Uh, that didn't, that didn't hurt them. The first one did, but part of the learning curve, the, the biggest problem is making the same mistake twice in one game is not learning yeah. from the first one. Um, that I feel like that would be the thing Brad was most upset about the second, yeah. the third one he was, uh, I mean the one to end the third quarter, he had a pretty open look at a three. So I'm not, I don't chide him too much for being, that aggressive like yes he has to have better awareness but like the guy's still looking to score points the first one at the end of the first quarter he had no business trying to drive to the bucket there and just really was trying to make something out of nothing the the one at the end of the third quarter he's just trying to knock down an open shot yeah but still i think there's an opportunity to get a better shot than a jalen brown three in that situation but learning curve for the rookie he did do a lot of nice things and he also had a couple of stints trying to guard LeBron James, and he did a pretty good job. He had that issue that one time where he's clapping in LeBron's face. How about that? <laughs> yeah, Rookie with some balls over there. But the best part of it was he he made a stop, like a, a momentary stop with like 12 seconds left in the in the shot clock and was clapping and then just got beat. Like, right <laughs> like You got to pick your I, moments, Jalen. <laughs> that's all right. I like, I like the enthusiasm. He's, I, I like the confidence. I like it. I think I think this kid is really stepping up. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be pretty good. This kid, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited. And once again, I'll just bring up the fact that here's a guy at a time where the Celtics thought or Celtics fans thought we got to trade this pick, we got to trade, 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 and then he, they made the pick, and it turned into Jalen Brown. And now here we are extolling the virtues of Jalen Brown who had a very nice game. Seven rebounds is huge out of Brown. Forget the points, which is nice. The defense and the rebounds was just phenomenal. I thought that was a nice contribution, so much so that he was playing in the fourth quarter in this insanely tight game where it was a complete playoff atmosphere. Jalen Brown was getting solid fourth quarter minutes. I had a, a crazy Boston Celtic homer idea today on Twitter. I was just thinking about the – since with Joel B going down, here in Philadelphia people are very upset. Uh, the process is waning. Um, but uh, rookie of the year considerations, and this is entirely colored by the fact that Jalen Brown has scored more than 10 points uh, in the past three games before this. Um, 
Dario Saric looks like he's the leader in the field if Embiid's um, not going to be the rookie of the year. But is there any chance that if Brown continues to play this well in the remaining 20 games of the year, he would be in the conversation for rookie of the year just because I think if you eventually, if he continues continues putting up these stats, he's going to have similar kind of, not per game numbers, but like per 36 numbers as Saric. Um, and he's going to be playing on a contender. So I don't, I don't, in the end, I'm going to talk myself out of it because I just don't see voters kind of going with it. But I think he deserves to be somewhat in the conversation just because he's playing very well on a team that's actually going to be playing in the playoffs. I forget the the rookie of the year. They do they vote one through five or one through three? Uh, I actually have no idea. I, I forget. Like if it's one through five. He's on there. If it's one through three, he has less of a chance because Malcolm Brogdon is on there. Uh, yeah, Jamal Murray. There's some other good candidates on there. And I still think Embiid's going to get some votes. Yeah, I I think there are a lot of people who are going to give give Embiid the their first place vote. So. Which I think, as an aside, 31 games uh, in a injury-shortened season where he was held out of back-to-backs. He played amazing. I, I, we, when we did our All-Star show, I was going to put him. I, we wanted to put him on the East All-Star team, but at some point, 31 games is not enough time to win John, an award John, like this. John, I'm not getting dragged back into this. Uh, how you define a rookie? Rookie of the year debate? <laughs> like, nowhere last time. I say we uh, we got to we got to cut it at, cut it at the head and move on. All right, moving on. Uh, th- what else from this game? Uh, let's see. I think that's kind of most of the things that I liked and didn't like. Uh, I thought just honestly, I just that this was a, such a complete win that the things that I didn't like were a lot of the similar things that you know Jalen lack of awareness to you know didn't understand the clock. Kelly had a, a really good game, but you know did some of the same Kelly things. We missed a lot of layups early, but generally speaking, I thought it was an overall. They played like a ninety plus percent really good game, and the other stuff is because nobody's going to play a perfect game. I, I I can I can let that go. Yeah, right. The, the only what are you going to get on Amir Johnson? I can get on Amir Johnson. There's a few stretches in the third quarter where I got absolutely blown by. Um, it was first uh, LeBron and then Kyrie. It's just his his ankles are just not made to uh, play. Uh, he definitely serves a purpose against some teams, but if someone goes small against the Celtics, he can just not be on the court. Uh, the only other complaint I can think of is uh, letting Derek Williams score 13 points. Um but he missed the big three at the end. But he he definitely could have won that game for the Cavs. Um, but it's Derek Williams, really. He 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 was knocking down some hard shots. So it's not really not even that big of a complaint. I'm really just trying to yeah to come up with something at this point. It was just it was <laughs> now, a, a surprising guy to end up with a over over double digits. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Uh, let's get into some of these rain and jays just to give some shout outs. Uh, let's see uh, at uh, Podge thirteen Jeff Padre. All right, here's one. Any idea why Isaiah Thomas is on the court on D so often in obvious must-stop situations after opponent turnovers? I believe that happened once tonight. Yeah, I mean... Once with 40 seconds left, and I think they just wanted to keep him on the floor in case they didn't take a timeout or got a rebound. Yeah, I, I think that sometimes sometimes it's just going to be the, the choice that 
that Brad makes. He's he's been taken off the floor enough, but uh, I I don't know what the timeout situation was at the end. I I assume that they had plenty of timeouts. Uh, I think maybe sometimes after if if you get a stop, then great. If you don't, then you maybe sometimes you don't want to call a timeout. You just want to push it up the floor and you want to have your best offensive option out there. At that point, the Celtics have been playing pretty good defense with Isaiah on the floor. So it's not like it was a big problem. He actually made some pretty nice defensive plays. So I think that sometimes you just want to have your best player, your best offensive player on the floor, and you're going to deal with it. That's all I can think of. Yeah, and we saw Brad, like, if Isaiah got abused on one of that, or one possession, we saw him make the adjustment and not go to that, uh, not have the him and Bradley switch on the final possession. So it's not like the be all end all. And there was another possession down in the late game where uh, Isaiah did come out and Jalen got put in the game. And that's what um, Corver hit the big three. So, I mean, yeah, you would ideally wouldn't want Isaiah out there, but in final possessions, but it's all kind of a crap shoot in the, like in the end. And you know what? It's, you want your best player on the court. Um, I'm sure Isaiah appreciates being on the court. I'm not that you should necessarily take that into consideration, but Uh, I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world. At JL Smooth, great win tonight. Celtics played great. I don't know how, but Felger and Maz will still find a way to crap all over it. Yeah, they probably will. Oh, and I've already seen seen the the kind of the Felger nation out there. Uh, He's going to start complaining about how the green teamers are getting too excited about this one and just like, ooh, the one win, and now people are talking championship. Uh, It's it's frustrating. Oh, and – uh, they're also going to say they didn't have uh, the Cavs didn't have Kevin Love or J.R. Smith uh, when playoff time comes. They're not going to be anywhere. Uh, yeah, we anywhere know you're competitive. So um, those people just uh, just don't have fun, and they're yeah. not really fun uh, fans. Why? You know, we know we know these things. We know that they didn't have. We know exactly where the Celtics are. But this was still a huge win. And if they had lost, they, they would say the same. You know, tired stuff like, "See, they're not in the same league." Blah, blah, blah. They're just, whatever it is, here's the, the secret about them. Whatever it is that the real fans are thinking, they'll find a way to say the opposite and just to tweak you and get you to call in and listen and mention them. So that is, it, I would just say, don't listen to them, and, which is hard. And people tweet at me. I don't listen to them on a regular basis, but people tweet at me and I respond because I can't help but get emotionally involved. But they, I would venture to say that most of the time they don't even believe some of the stuff that they're saying themselves, but they're putting on a show. They're putting on this big act and they don't, they don't a hundred percent buy into even the things that they say. So forget about them uh, at Micah Angelo, Michael Malloy. Can't wait to listen to the podcast. So that's an excited fan. That's somebody that is into this game, super excited about this. I uh, hope you like the podcast. We enjoy doing it. Uh, and then, of course, complaints about the refs at Sean at Baskin. Sean, how do these refs sleep at night? There were some questionable calls. There were some times where, like, you know, Terry Rozier drove and got hooked and and whatever, and they didn't call anything. Or LeBron driving to the lane. How about that play? LeBron driving to the lane. Tripping, stepping on Kelly Olynyk's foot as he ran out to go defend somebody in the corner, and they called a foul because he fell. 
No, that was absurd. It, LeBron, one, uh, I'm going to throw some conspiracy theory out there, but LeBron basically, any other player on that play, like, rolls his ankle and has to sit out a play, and LeBron is, like, driving to the basket doing a spin move on the next play. He is not a real person. He is a robot or a cyborg, and his body makes no <laughs> sense, and I don't understand it. I would not be shocked if he's on PEDs because I like throwing around wild accusations. <laughs> allegedly, allegedly on PEDs. I I I don't even know. I I will just go the fact that he's not human. So it made no sense. And there's a lot of bad calls, but you know what? That's also what happens in basketball. Um, we notice the ones that were like the go against the Celtics a lot more than we do the ones that are in their favor. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Gates underscore Ben, if rookie of the year vote is starting. Uh, if rookie of the year voted voting only started after the all-star break, Jalen would have his name on the trophy already. That's what I was there trying to say. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Uh, what else was in here? And it was just like at Robert Denton, who's talking about the fake LeBron interview where he slipped and got a charity foul call. So just a shout out to him on that. Shout out to our boy Rifesy, who has about 20 of these tweets. He's always tweeting with the hashtag rain and Jays. You should do it too. We'll try to get you mentioned on the show. Um, I just want to shout I, out Rifesy right now because I'm seeing some of his tweets. He's saying, um, now let's hope the refs let us play D. Bradley with the D. That is one of my favorite, uh, like, most childish things that makes me laugh on Twitter whenever someone <laughs> refers to defense as the D. Uh, me and, I think this is like how me and Kevin O'Connor first became friends, was like laughing about this at the uh, Celtics games last season. Anytime anyone includes something with the D and uh, on a tweet, it makes me chuckle. So shout out to Ricey for giving me two laughs uh, throughout the night. That's great. So now the Celtics are three games behind the Cavaliers, two games up on Washington who beat the Raptors. Uh, I think this is actually working out for us pretty nicely because – if then now the Raptors and Wizards play again. Now, if the Raptors beat the Wizards, then they'll both be, they won't have equal records, but they'll both be uh, five and a half games behind, behind Cleveland, two and a half behind us. That's the perfect scenario at this point. Celtics go out and play the Lakers Friday night. That should be a win. So that would give them a nice. Three-game cushion. At that point, they will have played 62 games. So 20 games left to go in the season with three games, a three-game lead. That's the easiest uh, strength of schedule for the the entire league for the rest of the way for the Celtics. So they should really um, be making some headway here in the Eastern Conference and hopefully challenging for a one spot, but uh, realistically kind of solidifying their, uh, their spot as the two seed. Well, yeah. I mean, th- again, this was huge. And I think, do we play Cleveland one more time? I'm going to check the schedule. But the Celtics have an opportunity to win a bunch of games at the end and go on a little bit of a run. Maybe, maybe the Cavaliers struggle a little bit without Kevin Love. That, that could be something that happens. You never know. They could sneak into that. That spot. Uh, let's look at the rest of the schedule they here. Do play the Cavs again um, once more at the end, uh, in April fifth. Yeah. Also on ESPN. That's going to be an interesting game because there's going to be at that point five games left in the season. That 
who knows? Who knows what Cleveland's going to be doing? Who knows what Boston's going to be doing? But again, the, the the April schedule, the final six games, it's the Knicks, Cleveland, Atlanta, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I would say that Cleveland's the only game on there that you could say that might not go so well. Even after tonight, you just got to assume that. Atlanta, I know we just lost them, but that's a game that they can win, especially if it's the end of the season and maybe they're resting people. They could go, and then prior to that, they've got Orlando, Milwaukee, Miami, Phoenix. So they have got some very winnable games to close the season out. So I like it. I like where this is going. Um, I think now I had other things I want to talk about, but maybe we just save that stuff. Uh, maybe we just don't sully this this uh, podcast. Maybe we just just leave it at they beat the Cavs. We're happy. Let's just celebrate, end on a high note, and be done with it. What do you think? That works for me. I you got to stay positive after a win like this. Yes. So uh, let's just do that. Celtics beat the Cleveland Cavaliers 103-99 in, again, just a fantastic, amazing regular season game. No qualms saying that. I'm, I don't think there's any hyperbole in that. That this was a game that can be enjoyed by just about every basketball fan out there, uh, with no allegiances to either team. So great win, Celtics looking good, bouncing back after a few bad games. They needed this, and now it's off on the road to go play the Lakers on Friday night. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, please subscribe to us. Get us on your phone, on your whatever it is you use to listen to your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the uh, TuneIn app. Everywhere that you can get a podcast, we are there. Rate us five stars because we appreciate the feedback. It helps us boosts our egos, boosts our exposure, helps us out, gets the word out. And maybe we can get a couple extra bucks from advertisers since we don't ask you to pay anything. That helps us out. Gives us a little extra drinking money because who can't use a little extra drinking money, right? So thanks for doing that. Thanks for checking out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are the Locked On Celtics Podcast. Yeah, Jay King and John Corrales. Locked On Celtics. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.